Let's pray. So, Father, I ask that you would take my weak words and infuse them with the power of your Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to move around this room? Would you open ears to hear? And would you open eyes to see the beauty of Jesus? Jesus, would you be glorified here tonight? Father, I ask that you would have your way. Because otherwise it's just a waste of time. So receive your glory, King of glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Sebastian. All right. So, we're almost to Halloween, right? So I just want a show of hands. How many of you actually celebrate Halloween? You get dressed up and all that sometimes. Right there, keep your hands raised. Is it just one? See, Sebastian's new here, so he doesn't really know that he's not supposed to raise his hand to that. So Pastor Jonathan's going to actually speak to you after service. You're probably going to be sat down for a few months. <laughs> Christians aren't supposed to celebrate Halloween, right? That's the thing. Even though we know a lot of us probably still do. But um, it's okay, because we're going to be talking about being fake today, okay? Um, so, the thing about Halloween, and I think what's so um, appealing about it, is that for one day of the year, we get to actually dress up as somebody else. We get to put on a mask, we get to wear and be somebody else. Usually it's somebody we really want to be. Uh, did you guys all celebrate Halloween as kids, or were you Christians like your whole life? I celebrate Halloween as a kid for sure, and it was awesome. Can you raise your hand if you celebrated as a kid? Okay. I was going to start praying for you guys because I would have been a horrible childhood. Um, but you get to dress up as your favorite, like, superhero or whatever it is that you like. Um, we got Adrian over here who dresses up like Spider-Man every other uh, week. So the, the appealing thing is you get to be somebody that you wish you were. Um, to wear a mask. And I got some cool masks here. Here's the Batman mask. Everybody likes Batman, right? Is there anybody here who doesn't like Batman? Can you raise your hand if you don't like Batman? Okay, you're going to be sat down too, Mia. So that's Sebastian and Mia. Somebody take note. Um, I got this cool one here too for maybe Mia likes this one. You like Darth Vader? Yeah, you cool with Vader? All right. Yeah. Well, he turned good in the end. Spoiler alert. And then this one's straight for Adrian. Yeah, you know, Adrian, you can keep this. I haven't worn it, so it's COVID-free. Um, but the cool thing, I'm going to leave this up here, because it's probably the coolest one. How about this? Can you guys all see that? A little prop. Look at that. Props make the world go around. All right. Um, but so the cool thing is we get to wear a mask one day of the year. Um, and we actually get to hide behind this mask, for, even if it's for a few moments um, on Halloween night and get all that candy and, and have fun as kids. Um, but if we're honest, you know, we, as we grow up, we may not dress up like these people anymore, but we still wear masks. Um, and I'm not talking about these masks. Now we have to wear these, but um, we go around our life, and some of us, we walk our whole lives wearing a mask. Um, and we actually become different people depending on who we're with. So when you're at church, you've got one mask on, and, and you act like somebody. 
Um, then when you're with your friends, I didn't even plan this, but you go to the dark side, right? And you put on this other mask. Uh, then when you're with your family, your God only knows who, you know? But you put on these masks and, and really what you're doing is you're just being a fake because you're not being authentic. And I'm including myself in that. You know, we put on these different masks depending on who we're with, and that's the definition of being fake, um, if we're honest. Do, do you guys know any fake people in your life? Like, have you ever met somebody who's fake? I've, I've met a couple fake people. Oh. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I meet another fake person. Um, uh, but have you guys ever been scammed? Like, who here has been scammed? All right, that's the majority of the group. Now, I'm sure everybody's gonna raise their hand for this one. Who here has been lied to? Like a bad lie, a stupid lie, really. I think we've all heard a stupid lie, and we're just like, really, dude? Um, but let's get more personal. Have you ever been the scammer? Have you ever pulled a scam on somebody else? And I get this word from Kayla, by the way. Scam-free 2020. Um, and so, have you ever given somebody a reason to to, when they think about you, they actually would call you a fake. I'm sure, I'll, maybe not all of us, but most of us probably have at one point um, been fake to somebody else and worn a mask. I know I have, um, and it's really an embarrassing story. It's so lame. Uh, I'm not sure if I've shared this publicly before, but whatever, if you could please turn off all the recording. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, this is awkward because my mom's here. But, so... <laughs> And she knows this story, but she probably forgot it. It's in the archives, thank God. Hopefully it burns in those archives. But obviously it's not, because I'm about to bring it back up. But so I remember when I was in middle school, this is so lame. I lied for my whole middle school career, and even going on to high school, probably was ninth grade where the lie died. Um, and I just lied about my age. Like, I told everybody that I knew that I was one year older than what I actually was. And it was so lame. I, I thought it was so cool because I was like an older kid. Um, and it got really awkward when it was my 12th birthday party. And I remember we invited a bunch of friends to the pool. Um, I got a photo of it and everything. I think it's still at your house. But, um, oh, God, help me. And what was so awkward about my 12th birthday was everybody came with cards that said, happy 13th birthday. And I didn't really count on the fact that Hallmark sells 13th birthday cards. Um, obviously, I was naive and immature. <laughs> um, and so basically, my whole 12th birthday party, I was playing damage control. And I was trying to keep my family away from my friends because I, my family were ready to, to call me out in front of everybody. They weren't, my mom wasn't going to be nice about that one because it was such a dumb lie. But I wore a mask for years, you know? I even had a girlfriend for three years, and I lied to her that whole time. She thought I was a year older, my own girlfriend. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't work out, you know? Um, but the cool thing was, um, actually, before I get to that, the thing was that I was conforming myself into this image that I thought people would love and accept. Because really what we all want at the end of the day is to be loved and accepted. That's why you show up here, you know? Um, you could be anywhere else, but you're here at church. Um, because you've hopefully encountered the only one who could ever love and accept you fully. Um, but 
it's really this innate desire in us. And I know it sounds stupid, but that was my way of thinking that people would love and accept me or desire me. Um, and despite being fake, uh, despite trying to run the dumbest scam in the world, um, maybe besides Satan's scams, but I had this friend, and he's, he was my best friend. He's still one of my best friends to this day. And he probably was the only one who wasn't my family that actually knew the truth. Like he knew I was lying about my age. Uh, his, friend, his name's Anwar. Some of you have met him. Um, you know, I, I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at my wedding. I'm the godfather of his son. Um, so, you know, he saw right through all my lies, and he still stuck by me throughout it all. He, he still loved and accepted me despite my mask, you know, because he knew the real me. I didn't have this mask before him. And out of all those people, besides my family, he's, probably, he's the only one who's still in my life, you know? Um, and what I want to emphasize to you today is that Jesus is that kind of friend. He's the one that sees through your mask because this can't hide anything from Jesus. He sees right through it. You've seen those superheroes that wear just a little, like, eye goggle things. Like, you obviously know who they are. Or even with Superman, he just, like, changes his hair and takes off his glasses. You see right through that disguise, and, and Jesus is the same way. Our masks are so insignificant before him. He sees right through them, and he sees the real you. So the problem is we're always trying to catfish Jesus, you know? You guys ever seen that show Catfish? It's pretty funny. Um, but we try to set up this, like, accounts for Jesus to look at, and Jesus, this is who I am. And we've, we love the verse Matthew 7, 21, right? Where it says, many will come on that day, on Judgment Day, and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your names? In your name? Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? And what does Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you. So what my hope is today is that we would stop catfishing Jesus, number one, and that we would see that... Oh. Let's see. Let me just read my notes. Today I want to talk to you about how we can all act like fakers to everyone except for Jesus, who is the only one who truly knows us and sees right through the fakeness and he sees right through your mask. And today's the day that he actually wants to walk you into the identity that he's called you to. Um, so my question is, I'm going to ask you throughout the night, who are you? And I love that John's here because it's a little bit funny, a funny thing between us, but we, we were with this guy once um, in an apartment and you know what happens when somebody takes like one psychology course, they go crazy and they think they're psychologists. So this guy, I guess he was in the middle of his course, he comes to me and John, he's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Orlando. Uh, no, 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 not what's your name. Who are you? I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. Who, no answer is satisfied this guy, you know. And, but this is a little tangent, it's just a funny memory, but now that I see John back here. But it's a serious question for tonight. It was funny back then, but it's serious tonight. Who are you? Like, who are you really? What is your name? Like, do you know? Some of you are like, yeah, of course I know. Um, but let's see. Let's find out. Uh, because in a world full of fakes, it's hard to truly answer that question. If you actually, like, introspect, it's really hard to answer that question. Um, so what does fake even mean? The definition is not genuine and a counterfeit. And so when I was asking God, like, what do you want me to speak about? 
Because this is, by the way, this is like a topic I don't really like to talk about because I'd prefer to talk about Jesus all night. Um, and I like to talk about attributes of God and stuff like that. Um, Jesus, the bridegroom, Jesus, the warrior king, stuff like that. Um, but I really felt like he emphasized the theme of mass, of wearing a mask. Um, and I, want, I felt like he emphasized two types of fakes, you know. Number one in this room are genuine believers who aren't, aren't living in the identity that God called them to be. Some of you truly do love God and believe in God and all of that, but you're not walking in the identity he's called you to. Even if you think you're walking in it, some of you still aren't because he's called you to higher things. Um, and number two, um, I would be naive to assume that everybody in this room is saved um, because Matthew 7:21, many will come to me on that day and he'll say, I never knew you. Um, and so I feel like I want to emphasize to non-believers who are in this room who come week after week. Um, it's really just a facade. It's really just a mask. And, and you kind of pretend to believe in Jesus, but you really don't at the end of the day. At least your life doesn't show it, you know. Um, and Jesus said, if you love me, do what I command you to. Why do you say you, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say, you know? Um, and have you ever wondered why we act fake? Why do we wear these masks? Like, what is it about the masks that draws us to wear them? Um, I'm not talking about these masks anymore, but spiritual masks. And the issue is uh, when there's a conflict between who we really are and who we would like to appear as, that's when we act fake. So in my scenario, uh, I was really a 12-year-old, but I really just wanted to be a 13-year-old because in my brain, that was the cool thing. Um, and that's when I became a fake, when there was a disconnect between who I really am and who I wanted to be. And social media actually exemplifies the ways in which we're fake. You know, I remember when Lorde played that video on her sermon or whatever, like, it just showed how social media just, like, entices you to be fake. It, it almost was made for you to be fake and just post stuff that makes you look like a completely different person, really. So I just want to start poking a few buttons before we get into the, the story for tonight. Um, I tried to cover a lot of stuff. Most of the stuff is for me, but if it's for you too, then awesome. Uh, so number one, when you post photos at the gym, the one day of the year you actually go, you know you don't go to the gym, but you sure as heck are going to milk it the one day you go. And you post it on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, you get the like perfect mirror pic. Um, it's fake. That's fake. It really is fake. Uh, or when you spend an hour, after you took that photo and you're spending an hour looking for the right filter and you've changed the photo so much to the point where this new photo is completely different from the original photo, it's fake. Because remember, what's the definition of fake? A counterfeit. Not genuine. It's, it's fake. Um, or when you buy things that you can't afford, so you keep putting yourself into debt just because you want people to to like you or accept you, it's fake. Um, or when you, this one might hurt, when you post photos at church and you act like a saint on Sundays and then you go living like a child of hell every other day of the week, it's fake. Or what about this one? When you, when you post a selfie, you know, you look real cute in your selfie and stuff, um, and you post a Bible verse, but in reality, all you really want is for people to look at you and glorify you. You don't want the verse to be glorified. You could care less, really, if you really analyze yourself. You just want people to like you and say, oh, man, you look good. It's fake. 
or when you go out you know, smoking, drinking, or partying with your friends, and then before you post it on social media, you go through the list and you exclude certain people, right? I'm like, no, nobody raise their hand. But some people have done that, right? Um, it's fake. You know if you have to search through, like, oh, this guy can't see this. You know you're fake, right? Or when you make your whole news feed um, appear as if you're this super happy person or this person who's living their best life, but really deep down you're just depressed. And some days you wake up and you hate yourself. You're being fake. Just, your Facebook is fake. It's more like fake book. Oh. Fake book. I don't want to push buttons here. Um, I ran this through my wife first, so this is okay. Um, or when some of, some of you wear so much makeup that it's become your mask. You know, your face looks completely different. Than, um, and it's pretty deceptive. Like, come on, right, guys? Like, you know, it's pretty deceptive. You're like, wait, wait, that's you? It's, it's a mask. It's fake. Now, um, it's not just the makeup, but now... You know, there's the fake eyelashes, there's the lip fillers, that's like the big cra craze now, right? Like, but the problem, and none of these things are bad in and of itself. I asked my wife before, like, why do you wear makeup? And she says she just likes to do it. It's like art for her. Okay, that's cool. If it's art, that's fine. It's perfectly fine. That's awesome, actually. Because I've seen her do something, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. But if you're wearing all this makeup and these lip fillers and these eyelashes because you're not satisfied with the way you look and because you... Deep down, you, you think God made an accident with your face. If that's the case, you're being fake because that's not the truth. God's never made a mistake. And in fact, Jesus thinks your face is beautiful as it is. So when you don't kind of align your mentality with God's mentality on the way you look, you're the counterfeit. Therefore, you're the fake because God's not the fake and he's not the counterfeit. Um, I hope I said that right. Jesus loves your face naturally. I just want to emphasize that. Makeup's okay. Just don't feel like you have to in order for people to think you're beautiful. You know? um, another one is dressing a certain way because you want to get the attention of somebody who's really, at the end of the day, not worth your attention if that's the only way they're going to look at you. In that case, you're being fake. Now let's get more... Uh, kind of getting away from the social media stuff um, and maybe a little bit more personal. When we sin and, and then we confess it to God and we, we say we're repenting um, or maybe we even confess it to, to some people we confide in, um, but then we go, we feel bad for a, a few minutes, but then we go back and we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. And there's no progress. It's fake. You're being fake. With Jesus, there always has to be forward movement because Jesus doesn't leave you where you're at. Sometimes forward movement looks like three steps forward, two steps back, but that's still forward movement. So, and on that note, I just want to emphasize, there's a difference between being a sinner who struggles with loving God and being a lover of God who struggles with sin. This, the latter is okay. That's where we all fall. You know, that's where all Christians fall. But your primary identity is a lover of God who just struggles with sin, but you're overcoming, you know? Sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, but you're still overcoming. Um, as opposed to the one whose, their identity is that they're a sinner. And really, the hard part for them is actually trying to love God. 
That's the difference. And if that's where you, you lie, please open your ears tonight and listen. Here's another one. When you don't use your talents uh, that God gave you and you stop growing in your faith because of it, you're being fake. Because God's called you to be somebody. God's given you a gift and he's expecting you to use it. But when you're not walking in the identity God gave you, you're walking in a false identity. Therefore, you're a fake. And this is where I, for, this one was for me. Um, but if any of you want it, you can have it too. Um, and in here, I got the last one. Some people have been here for years, maybe. Or you've been going to a church for years. And still, deep down, you don't really believe in God. Uh, and you're really, you're just pretending and you're being like Judas. And Judas was the ultimate fake, right? Um, and I encourage, if that's you, like, I encourage you, be honest with God. Tell him straight up, like, God, I, I'm not fully convinced you even exist. Um, because remember, Judas walked with Christians for years. Years. And it, the scripture says in John 6, 64, that he never believed. So you could be here with us, like, week after week and still not believe. You know, you could look like a Christian, but still not believe. And it's fake. So again, I ask you, who are you? Who are you really? Turn to your neighbor and say, take off that mask. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's not Halloween yet. Hey, no, 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 leave your mask on. <laughs> leave that mask on. Take off your other mask. <laughs> uh, don't take those masks off. I'll get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so guys, Jesus isn't after who you're pretending to be. He's after you. The real you. The raw you. He's after you. With all the mud and all the muck, he wants you. Remember, he's a friend like my friend Anwar. You know, despite knowing that I was a loser, he still loved me and accepted me. Uh, and guys, once you embrace him, all that mud and that muck will fall off naturally. Um, he's the only one who can actually clean you and make you into the best version of you. Uh, so does Jesus know you intimately? Relationally, does he know you? We know that he knows about us. Like he has our hairs numbered, right? He actually has a jar that holds our tears in it, scripture tells us. So of course Jesus knows us, but does he know you? Like an experiential knowledge. Has he experienced you? Have you experienced him? Or will you be one of the ones in John 7, 21, where Jesus says, I never knew you. So let's quit faking and let's grab a hold of the real thing while we're, you know, still here, right? Um, and with that said, I want to take us to scripture. And we're going to go through a little adventure tonight, a little journey. Um, and we're going to read about this man who was the ultimate scammer, the ultimate faker, the ultimate mask wearer. Um, this guy was such a scammer that his name literally means deceiver. And no, it's not Satan. I'm not talking about that guy. Um, this man is actually one of the forefathers of our faith. This man, without him, there would have been no, no Jesus incarnate, right? There would have been no nation of Israel. And therefore, there would have been no wild olive tree that we as Gentiles have been grafted into. Um, and this man's name is Jacob. So we're going to go through the story of Jacob tonight. So if you can open with me to Genesis chapter 25, we're going to pick up the story, uh, verse 21. 
We're going to pick up the story from the beginning of Jacob's life when he was still in the womb. So I'm going to clarify a few names for you. Um, Isaac. This is the Isaac, the guy who his dad tried to sacrifice him once, you know. This is Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of our faith, right? Uh, so verse 21, and his wife's name is Rebecca. all right? Isaac, so verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Can you guys imagine the ultrasound on, that she went to, if ultrasounds existed back then? Um, some of you, if you don't know, like uh, me and Danielle are expecting a baby. And I love... Thank God you guys clapped. I was able to drink water. But my favorite thing is when she goes to get her ultrasound and gets the sonograms printed out, and I get to see them. Because it's like, you get to see this progress and this growth. Um, but imagine if there was an ultrasound for these kids. The doctor would be there looking in Rebecca's belly and like, oh my gosh, there's an MMA match going on in here. Like these people are wrestling in her womb. Um, so the first time we're actually introduced to Jacob, um, he's in a wrestling match, right? Uh, and I love how it says she went to inquire of the Lord when she was confused as to what was going on. Uh, when things aren't going according to plan, do you inquire of the Lord or do you inquire of your friends first? Or do you take it to social media and complain about it there? Uh, verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. Remember that. God knows the end from the beginning. Um, your scams against God and others aren't a surprise to him. Like, he, he sees the scams before they come. Uh, remember, he told Peter, like, on this very night, like, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus saw the scam, like, way beforehand. Um, verse 24. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. So here is the first time we're introduced to Jacob. And he is wrestling with his brother Esau, whose name literally means hairy. Uh, and Jacob's name means heel catcher, heel grabber. Um, the name Jacob not only resembles the Hebrew term for heel, but it also comes with this connotation of deceiver. So apparently back then it was a figure of speech to say that somebody who grabs someone's heel is a deceiver. And something you have to understand is the firstborn in this culture has a lot more rights than the rest of their siblings. They get a way bigger inheritance than the rest of their um, brothers and sisters. And Jacob here, you can see, he's born with this me first mentality. Like he's trying, he's trying to be first. He's trying to like race out of there um, and beat his brother Esau out of the womb. It's almost as if he knew, right? Oh. And really, this me first mentality is, uh, is a mask in and of itself. And it's a mask that a lot of us actually have. 
Uh, because we, we try to put something before God, because it's really supposed to be God first. But when we put me first, it's a counterfeit. It's an idol. It's, it's pride. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven, right? Me first is exhausting, but God first brings you rest, you know? And another thing I want to point out is, it says Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Earlier we read that Isaac was 40 when he started praying. So if you do your math, 60 minus 40 equals 20 years this guy prayed for his wife to conceive. Talk about patience and faith. Some of us can't even wait 20 minutes uh, for God to answer one of our prayers. This guy waited 20 years, and God showed up. Let's continue in verse 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. So what this is saying is that Esau was a man's man. Esau had hair on his chest, probably since he was born, and he's a guy who eats beef jerky. This is like one of those guys who like drives a truck and has all the John Deere equipment. You know, Jacob was a mama's boy. Jacob was a dweller of the tents. That's basically the Bible's nice way of saying um, he had no hair on his chest and his hands were soft. So that's the kind of man Jacob is. Verse 28. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had taste for game, like hunting. You know, Felipe's here. He, this guy loves to hunt. But Rebecca loved Jacob. So here the parents are picking favorites. The dad loves the, you know, hairy chest beef jerky guy. The mom loves the one who stays in the, the tent with her and helps her make soup for everybody else. Uh, it's never a good idea for parents to choose favorites. Verse 29. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field. So they're a little bit older here, right? This isn't babies doing this stuff. There's, some time has passed. There's a little bit of a time jump. Uh, when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. No duh, right? Therefore his name was called Edom. Edom means red. But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. This guy, man, living up to his name. What a deceiver, scammer, mask wearer. And Esau said, behold, I'm about to die, so what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What was the big deal? He just said something. He's like, yeah, whatever, have, have that thing. Just give me some soup. Like, what's the big deal about that? To God, it was a big deal. Uh, Malachi 1.3 tells us that um, God says, I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. And he's referring to this situation here. So this was a big deal to God. Hebrews 12.16 calls Esau godless and immoral because of this. It's a big deal. You see, Jacob may be criticized for exploiting his brother in his moment of weakness, but Esau was indifferent towards his firstborn status. He could care less 
about his firstborn status. He didn't grasp the significance of all that God promised to fulfill through the unique line that he descended from, the line of Abraham. And Esau was the natural heir of this, and he could care less. It's wicked. It's, as Hebrews says, godless. It's immoral. When you don't care, when you have no care in the world for what God wants to do in you. It's immoral. It's godless. See, the problem is Esau gave up what he wanted most for what he wanted now. That's dangerous. And we find ourselves in that situation probably every single day. We've been called by God to receive an inheritance, and how often do we squander that inheritance for temporary pleasures? You know? Romans 8.16 tells us that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So my question for you is, are you going to be like Esau and give up your eternal birthright for a temporary pleasure? What's that temporary pleasure for you? What's that thing? That, what's your lentil stew and bread, whatever it was that he ate? And is it really worth giving up what God has called you to have? So now we're going to fast forward a little bit, more like a lot of bit. Uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 to 5. Now it came about when Isaac was old, many years later, And his eyes were dim to see. So this is Jacob and Esau's father, right? This is the son of Abraham. This is daddy for them. He's so old now that he's actually physically going blind. So when it came about that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And Esau said to him, Here I am. Isaac said, Behold now, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to Esau. So Isaac's so old that he can barely see, and he knows he doesn't have much time left. So he knows it's time to pass on the blessing. So that leads me to the question, what is the blessing? What's the big deal about this blessing anyways? Didn't Jacob already get the birthright? Why does he need a blessing? You see, a patriarch's final blessing was important in biblical times as a practical matter for inheritance rights. It's basically like a modern-day will and testament. In addition, some of these final blessings included prophetic statements that revealed God's supernatural power at work through the men of his choosing. Like, these forefathers sometimes spoke things into existence with these blessings. You know, Jesus comes through the line of Judah because of the blessing of Jacob. So these blessings are important, not just for inheritance rights, but for future generations after generations after generations. So, Rebekah heard Isaac promising the blessing to Esau when he returned with food. So she goes and she runs to Jacob and she hatches the ultimate scam. She concocts this crazy scheme to steal the blessing. 
So she goes and she cooks Isaac a yummy meal of goats, and, and she's trying to get Jacob in on it. And Jacob, as observant as ever, he realizes, like, wait, but my brother's super hairy, and I can't even grow more than three hairs on my chest. My dad, he may be blind, but he can still feel. He can still smell me. Um, and what about my voice? You know, his voice is probably still cracking. Whereas Esau has, like, that you know, grizzly man voice. Um, so he points this out, and his mom comes up with this crazy idea to use goat skin and kind of, I don't know if they taped it on him or what, but put it on his hands and the back of his neck. Esau had hair on the back of his neck. Like, what kind of hairy guy was that? Um, and so they, they came up with this whole plan to steal the blessing from Esau. Uh, how old do you think Jacob is in this case? You know, being a mama's boy and mama telling him, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. How old do you think he is here? This guy's 76 years old. 76 years old and you're still like a mama's boy. You're still having mama like boss you around. And I mean, I know like today, in today's day, we got extended adolescence. Uh, I think you can still be on your parents' insurance until you're 26 now. But come on, like at what point is enough enough? Like when are you going to take responsibility for yourself? This guy's 76 years old and he's still falling for these scams. Um, and he didn't just fall for the scam. He was in on the scam. He's the guy that came up with the hair idea. So Jacob's all in. Jacob's as fake as it gets. So I just want to warn you guys, like, be careful what you let somebody else put on you that makes you not who you really are. In Jacob's case, it was his own parent that did it, you know? So Rebecca dresses her son Jacob up in the clothing of Esau, and she uses the skin from the goats to cover Jacob's hands and his neck in order to deceive her husband Isaac. We continue in uh, Genesis 27, 18. Then Jacob came to his father, all dressed up, and said, My father, and Isaac said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Who are you? Turn to your neighbor and say, Who are you? Who are you? And Jacob replies, and he said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. He walked up to his dad like this. He's wearing a mask, a fake, a phony, scammer. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have, you have, the, you have it so quickly, my son? And Jacob said, because the Lord, your God, caused it to happen to me. He's giving God the credit for his lie? Like, what? This guy, man, he's got no shame. Did you know you can use God as a mask sometimes? Did you know that not everything that sounds spiritual is actually spiritual? I guess it would be spiritual, but it's demonic spiritual, you know? So just because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean it really is from God. You know, so be careful. Use discernment when people speak things to you. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son. He knows something's not, something's, something's not adding up here. Something sounds fishy. And it's his voice. Oh. That I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. 
So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So Jacob walked in there with his voice cracking, and his dad's like, but he felt him, and he's like, oh, yeah, Jacob's got soft baby hands. Verse 23, Isaac did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So Isaac blessed him, and he said, so he's like, well, hold up, hold up. Like, I don't know, something's just not adding up. I think Isaac had the sermon, but he just wasn't, like, giving into it. Um, verse 24, and he said, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. He's faced with the question multiple times, and he keeps caving in and lying and wearing a mask. Did you know you can get so good at wearing a mask that even the people closest to you can't tell the difference anymore? Verse 25, so Isaac said, bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's game, food, that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate. He also brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Verse 28. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven, here's the blessing, and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you, be masters of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. So Jacob finally gets the blessing that he worked so hard for. But what happens next after Jacob steals the blessing is that that big hairy guy, he comes home. And he learns of the treachery of Jacob, and he weeps bitterly. When Isaac finds out, he, he shakes violently. Like, they just got bamboozled. They just got scammed. They just fell for a mask. And Esau becomes furious. And in Genesis 27, 41, it says, Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he said it in his heart that as soon as his dad Isaac dies, he's going to go and kill his brother. But Rebecca hears of it, and she warns Jacob, and she concocts another scam. This is like scam after scam after scam with this family. And she convinces Isaac to send Jacob to her family's house so that he can find a wife, right? She's scamming her own husband. It's about time he found himself a wife. This guy's 76 years old. Like he should have left a long time ago and found a wife. Uh, so she's like, yeah, send him, send him to my family's house so he can find a wife for himself. And so they sent Jacob away with Isaac's blessing. And what happens here, and we're going to fast forward, Jacob is now on the run for 21 years, running from his brother Esau, hiding behind a mask. You know it's possible to get what you want and then not want what you got because you got it in the wrong way? It's possible to get what seems like a blessing, but the way you got it leaves you on the run because it wasn't really you. You guys realize that God can't bless who you're pretending to be. Or God won't bless fake. God can't bless Jacob dressed like Esau. God can't bless the fake you, and God can't minister to a mask, you know? And what good is the blessing of Isaac 
if he can't even stay in the house after he got it? What good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What good is it? So let's skip to chapter 32, and I'm going to catch you up. So Jacob's on the run for those 21 years. And at the beginning of his journey, all he has is a staff in his hands. And he sleeps at this place called Bethel. And he encounters the Lord, probably for the first time in his life. Uh, and then he goes and he finds his uncle Laban. And he works for him for these seven years. He ends up being scammed because, you know, scammers get scammed too. Um, he worked for his uncle for seven years in order to marry the hot sister. He had two daughters, right? Uh, he wanted the hot sister, but the uncle kind of scammed him and gave him the, the sister who wasn't easy on the eyes. She had weak eyes. That's the Bible's nice way of saying she was ugly. Um, and so, long story short, he ends up marrying two women. Um, he ends up having 11 kids uh, with four different women. And Jacob, always the deceiver, actually scams his own uncle into getting a bunch of livestock and stuff. Um, and to top it all off, he now has a bunch of servants. This guy is living the life. By all worldly standards, he is successful. He's got it all. The blessing really worked for him, right? Everything he touched was blessed. But there was still this emptiness in him. And he decides he needs to go home. Even though he had everything he could ever want. But his brother Esau is at the forefront of his mind, and he wonders if he can still somehow seek reconciliation with his brother. It's been 21 years after all, you know, maybe he got over it. So what Jacob does is he sends forth these messengers to go send a message to Esau. He's basically like super like repentant and submissive and stuff. He calls himself a servant to Esau. And so the messengers come back to Jacob and they say, hey, uh, we told Esau what you said, but what had happened was Esau's actually on his way here right now to meet you face to face. And not only that, but uh, he's also coming with 400 men. Jacob starts trembling in his boots or sandals or whatever he's wearing on his feet, and he starts crying out to the Lord. And he starts remembering that he had come on this journey with just a staff in his hand, and look at how he's returning now. He's got so much wealth, so much, so big of a family. He's got so many people, such a posse with him, he's able to split them into two different posses. And he's scared because what he had been running from for 21 years is finally coming to face him head on. So Jacob comes up with this brilliant idea to prepare a present for Esau. He starts getting these goats, these rams, these camels, etc. And he, he splits up his family and sends them ahead of him because he figures if Esau is going to come and kill them, maybe half of his family can survive. I mean, this guy thought of it all, right? And then Jacob, after he sends them away, he's finally left alone. And the craziest thing happens. Do you know that sometimes God will only minister to you when you're alone? Sometimes God will only encounter you when you're alone? That's why the secret place is so important. Like, we need to get into that secret place with God. So we pick up the story in Genesis 32, verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
This guy comes out of nowhere and jumps Jacob. Who is this man? Who is it? This guy's completely alone, and some guy comes out like a ninja and attacks him. Was it Esau? Who was it? Right? <laughs> Guess who? He wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, the man touched the socket of Jacob's thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. I'm not sure if that's supernatural or if it's because uh, Jacob's 97 years old at this point. So, uh, you know, your hips kind of tend to go out of joint sometimes. So maybe it was that, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, his hip got out of socket, right? Because remember, this is 21 years later after he was 76. Do the math. Uh, and so here, we're, we're first introduced to Jacob in a wrestling match. Uh, or sorry, remember how we were first introduced to Jacob, right? In a wrestling match on the sonogram, right? With his brother, wrestling his brother. And here we find Jacob wrestling again. See, his whole life he's been grabbing onto stuff, and now something's grabbing onto him. And then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Who is this man? Why does Jacob think he can get a blessing out of this guy? Why is Jacob so set on not letting you go to this man? Most theologians agree that the man here was the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus pre-Mary's womb. You know, Jesus has always existed. Jesus shows up multiple times in the Old Testament. This is just one of those times. So Jacob legit is wrestling with Jesus. And he, he, had, he must have realized this throughout the whole night that he's wrestling this guy. And he says, I will not let you go. So I encourage you, hold on to Jesus. Don't let him go. When you encounter him, do not let him go. So the man said to him, what is your name? Who are you? Do you remember the last time Jacob faced that question? What did he do? Put the mask on. So Jacob has the choice. Am I going to lie again? Am I going to be a scammer again? Am I going to wear a mask again? Am I going to be fake what is your name? They're fighting all night, and now he wants to know his name? The last time Jacob was in a situation like this was 21 years ago, when he stood before his father with a mask, and he hid behind that mask. And here's the problem. God won't bless the fake you. God won't minister to a mask. Turn to your neighbor and say, God doesn't bless fake. So for the first time in his life, he's coming to terms with the reality of his situation. And why did God, Jacob even need God's blessing if he already received Isaac's blessing? And when I read this, it blew my mind. It's way back in Genesis 25, verse 11. And it says, it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. So the blessing wasn't from the Father necessarily. It was from God. And I was looking through Scripture, and I couldn't find a time where Abraham laid his hand on Isaac and passed on the blessing. 
But it was God himself who passed the blessing on. The blessing wasn't Isaac's primarily to pass on. So it doesn't matter if man blesses you if God doesn't. And it doesn't matter uh, if man doesn't bless you if God does. What we're after is God's blessing. And this same blessing is actually ours now. Did you know that? Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 says, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The point of the blessing is to have the presence of God inside of you. So now is finally the time for Jacob to get a blessing for himself, his raw self, not his fake self. So who are you? What is your name? And we continue in Genesis 32, 27. And he said, Jacob. Yes, I'm Jacob. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the deceiver. I'm the blessing stealer. Who are you, really? Raw, like who's the raw you? If Jesus were to stand there and ask you, like, who are you? Come to him raw. Tell him the truth. Yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm lost. I'm broken. I don't even know if I believe in you, God. When we worship, I don't even feel anything sometimes. I don't understand why the people here are so crazy about you. I'm addicted to porn. I'm prideful. I'm lazy. I'm greedy. I act like a saint here, but when I'm with my friends, I act and speak like I don't even know you exist. I'm depressed. I hate myself. I'm angry. I'm full of fear. What would your answer to God be? Because God doesn't bless fake. So don't come to him fake. Tell him the truth. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him who you are. Because then something profound happens. Verse 28, the man said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. You need to stop coming here as the fake you. Don't go to Jesus as the fake you. Come to Jesus as the real you, and then he will make you into the new you. That's the order of operations here. Jacob is you on your own, and Israel is you with God. So which one do you want? Do you want the mask? Or do you want the blessing? Verse 29, then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But the man said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. He received the blessing. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face. This is why theologians believe this is Jesus. Yet my life has been preserved. Verse 31, now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. He left with a limp, sure, but he also left with this new God-given identity. Sometimes a real blessing looks different than what we kind of expected it to. So how does this whole novella end? Right? Wasn't his brother on his way? Wasn't this guy like shaking his boots thinking he's about to die? And 
trying to figure out like which half of his family he wanted to preserve. That's kind of messed up, right? Genesis 33, verse 1. Then Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel, those are his two wives, and the two maids. He put the maids and the children in front. That's messed up. <laughs> He's, I mean, come on. <laughs> Just because you, you've received this new identity doesn't mean you, still, you don't struggle anymore. You know? <laughs> um, oh, Jesus, guy. <laughs> and Leah and her children next. Leah was the, the ugly sister, the one that he didn't like as much. Um, and then Rachel and Joseph was last. Those were his favorites. Verse 3, but he himself passed on ahead of them, and he bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Then Esau ran to meet him and attacked him and killed him. Is that what happened? No. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck. Maybe it was a little jab at the fact that Jacob didn't have a hairy neck. And kissed him and they wept. You see, once God reconciles you to yourself, he can reconcile you with others. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Who is it that you need to reconcile with? So in conclusion, God won't bless fake. God won't minister to a mask. And God can't bless the fake version of you. But he's looking for the raw version of you. And then he transforms you into the best version of you. Jesus has an Israel waiting for each Jacob here in this room. So again, I ask, who are you? What is your name? And I love the fact that the song that they sang, I asked Karen, I was like, who picked this song? I was like, this goes perfect with what I'm I'm teaching tonight. Because the song goes, I am who you say I am. And I had that written here. You are who God says you are. So who are you? That's where you reply and say, I am who God says I am. Who are you? Who are you? You see, Jacob's not a heel grabber. Rather, he's Israel, the man who wrestled and triumphed with God. Let's close our eyes. What is your identity? What does God call you? We could be here for hours talking about what God calls you. And they're all good things, beautiful things. But I want to emphasize two of them that I feel like God wanted to, to impress upon you tonight. Number one, you are a child of God if you are in Christ Jesus. Romans eight fifteen to 16. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And number two, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. Flee immorality. Run from it. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 
For you have been brought, bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You guys know Jacob isn't the only one who's getting a new name. Jesus has a new name reserved for you. And it's written on a stone. Revelation 2.17. Jesus says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And a new name written on that stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Guys, there's a new name waiting for you. Take off the mask. Stop being fake and be raw with Jesus. You must overcome. But in order to overcome, you must walk in your God-given identity. You need to stop living in the lie and live in the truth because you are a son or a daughter of the Most High and you're a temple of the Holy Ghost. So if all eyes closed, all heads bowed, I want us to, to remove our masks symbolically. Just put your hands before your face and, and symbolically remove this mask. I want you guys to receive your new name. Receive your new name. What is Jesus calling you? Who has he called you to be? And if you could all just take out your right hand. This is the hand of the blessing, right? This would have been the hand that Isaac put over Jacob. And just reach out your right hand. And just drop it down. And would you reach under your chair. To the right side of your chair. Reach there. And pull it out. If you don't have something under your chair on the right side. Would you just raise your hand. And Sebastian's going to give you one. Keep your hand raised. Receive your new name. Who has not received one? Raise your hand. Whoever's in the media booth, there's one in the drawer to your left. Richard, there's one in your pocket. Guys, all creation is longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. So reveal yourselves tonight. Let today be the day that you reveal yourself. Will you leave here today with your mask or will you leave here with a new God-given identity? So let's wrestle with God in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you didn't leave us as Jacob. You didn't leave us as heel grabbers. Thank you, Jesus, because you saw it through our mask. And you said, that one. I want that one. I want him. I want her. 
Jesus desires you. His affections for you are so vast, so wide. You are beautiful to him. Jesus, thank you because you have a stone waiting for us with a new name. So, Father, I pray that you would seal our identities tonight, God, as children of yours and as temples of your Holy Spirit. Father, would you encounter us tonight? Would you minister to us, God? Would you walk in the room? The train of his robe fills this temple. Keep wrestling with God. Wrestle with him. Do not let him go. Jesus, I pray that you would seal your word tonight. Holy Spirit, would you continue to encounter us as we go home? And Father, I thank you because you're a good father. We bless you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, guys.